Welcome to lesson four of the Divine Love Essentials course. I'm Bill Fraze, and we'll be discussing pages 16 through 21 of the Divine Love Essentials book. This book can be downloaded from Wake Up Call for the Soul under the Publications tab. Uh, if you join me in prayer, please. Loving Creator, we thank you for this opportunity to come together and to learn what you would like us to know about prayer, how we can better connect with you through prayer, receive the blessing of your love and your compassion for each of us as your precious and beloved children. And my hope uh, for everyone who is participating in this course and, and those who listen to the recording afterwards is that we would also learn more about uh, how we can trust you in the process of expiation, of the power of your love, removing those uh, encrustations from our souls, those things that are out of harmony with your love and your light, uh, those things that uh, cover over the light of our soul. I, I ask that we would all uh, grow and learn um, in our understanding of of these wonderful blessings that you offer freely to all of your children, uh, simply for the sincere asking from our souls. We thank you. Amen. All right, so I'm going to jump into uh, the Prayer for Divine Love lesson, and I'm going to go through some main points I wanted to pull out here before uh, moving into some other things. So, Prayer for Divine Love, it is the essential practice for those who choose to take the divine love path. Um, that's why it's here. It's in the middle of the book. It is uh, the essential practice. I'm not saying that there aren't other things that are important or may be important or that are not part of the journey. I'm just saying, like, this is the foundation. This is, this is like, the starting place um, on that path. Uh, each soul is unique, and therefore, it's important for each of us to recognize that each soul's prayer practices and experiences are going to be unique. Uh, there may be patterns or things that are common amongst a lot of different people, but um, there, you know, God has created each of us unique, and there's no reason any of us should think that prayer is always going to be the same for all people everywhere at all times. Again, you can find common themes or experiences, but um, the important thing is, is to recognize that uniqueness of our souls and to, uh, to allow that to guide us in our prayer practices, which we'll talk a, a bit more about later. Um, and that kind of leads into the next point, I guess, that the important thing is to experiment uh, with prayer for divine love until we find those, those practices, those those methods, those environments or circumstances that are most helpful uh, to us in terms of increasing those factors that I talk about in the chapter, uh, what I call fervency, <laughs> the intensity of our prayers, uh, the frequency of them, how often we pray, and even those things that, that may help us to extend the duration of our prayers uh, in order to, to all uh, maximize our opportunities for soul development through prayer for our Creator's divine love. 
Um, and again, those things are going to be very different for different people. Some people having a room in their house is really helpful and essential, a, a place, maybe even an altar uh, that, that is meaningful to them. Other people going out in nature is the thing. Uh, and again, I talk about these things like you find it and you stick with it. And, and that's fine. But I think uh, in my own journey, I found that my prayer practice has evolved and changed over the years. Um, and and I would expect that for most people, as our souls develop and our lives change, that, that that would be the experience for a lot of people. So that experimentation is a constantly iterative process where maybe the things that were really helpful and supportive, you know, five years ago aren't so much anymore. So uh, we can talk more about that uh, afterwards, too, if, if people have questions. But all right. Um, there is nothing that can come between the soul that truly desires divine love from the creator uh, and it's in flowing. And uh, some people seem to like some of the, the scriptural references from the, the Bible. And so uh, some, one of those uh, that I was reminded of with this kind of summary point is uh, when Paul writes in the letter to the Romans, uh, chapter 8, verses 38 to 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Um, I consider that statement to be very much in, in harmony with my own experience and, and the truth that uh, there is nothing in creation that will come between uh, the soul that, that longs for and desires God's love. Nothing. The only thing that can do that is ourselves um, through the exercise of our will. Yeah, and I included those aspects of frequency, fervency, and duration uh, in prayers just to to help people recognize. Because some people, I, I know, I've, I've read their stories or I've talked to them. They they have an experience of God's love. Like they even maybe have a mental affirmation of it. And then they're like, wow, that was awesome. And then they don't do it anymore. <laughs> they don't, they think it was just this one-off wonderful experience and they don't um, actually seek to not replicate the experience, but to build on that experience of, of experiencing uh, the wonderment of the inflowing of, of God's divine love into their souls. And so I just, I include that in the chapter because for me, it's the development of habits and practices that help us to increase the frequency of our prayers, to increase their fervency, their intensity, the, the intensity of our soul's desire for union with our creator, and even the duration of each of those prayer periods uh, in order to accelerate, to intensify the process of our soul's growth and development over time. Uh, and, and in this too, I mean, it's not, um, it's not a linear <laughs> Uh, process. It is not, uh, it, it has a logarithmic uh, exponential kind of uh, flavor to it in terms of the long-term process, uh, I think for most people in, in terms of praying for God's love. But, but we can expect uh, our prayer life over time to accelerate, to intensify at certain times, to, to slow down, uh, you know, and, and I think it's important for us to listen to our souls, to to do our best to develop habits that support the overall development of our soul, but also to be very kind and gentle and 
uh, compassionate with ourselves when it comes to um, to the pace and the flow and, and the rhythm of, of how and when we pray and, and all of those uh, factors uh, that, that impact our, our progress in God's love. It's a process. Uh, it's, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So I uh, just wanted to encourage people to be kind and gentle with themselves throughout the process. Um, you know, when I first started, I thought, oh, you know, few years from now, I'll have this thing knocked out and I'll be able to move on uh, on my list. And um, it is not knocked out, gratefully so, and I'm still working on it. And it continues to be a, a wonderful process with, uh, with its own challenges and gifts um, every day on the path. So um, another thing I just wanted to bring forward from uh, this chapter is I, I've noticed a lot of people a lot of times will concern themselves with things like clearing their minds or achieving certain kinds of body positions and prayers and prayer. And, and I mean, if those things help a soul to experience uh, the inflowing of God's love, then by all means engage in those practices and disciplines that help you to do those things. It's just, I've seen some folks, I think, get kind of um, sidetracked with those things, or they make the focus, like instead of focusing on, okay, how can I receive more of God's love? The focus then becomes, how can I have fewer thoughts? And the focus on having fewer thoughts actually causes you to have more thoughts, which if you're going for fewer thoughts, then the focus needs to be, how do I receive more of God's love? Um, that'll kind of do the work for us. And uh, I think a lot of people can sometimes get tempted to take uh, take our eyes off the ball, the ball being God's love and the transformation of our souls and love and, and starting to get sidelined with other, other kinds of uh, activities that, again, can be helpful in our process but are not absolutely essential. I mean, in full disclosure, a lot of times, even when I pray now, I mean, sometimes I don't have any thoughts. Uh, I'm just reveling in the glory of God's presence and love. But other times I have lots of thoughts. And so I in my mind, part of my practice is I just, I allow those thoughts to sort of get washed in the river of God's love. I don't resist them. I don't tell myself that I'm a terrible person because I had those thoughts. I just, I recognize them, they're thoughts, and there are probably reasons why I'm having them. And so I can just have those thoughts through my imagination or whatever uh, washed in God's love and kind of let them go, let them float down the river. And if they come back again, great. You know, if they don't, wonderful too. Um, yeah, resistance, whatever we tend to resist persists. So uh, resistance in any form is, is uh, you know, not going to be helpful to us on the path except to recognize that we're in resistance and that we really do need, God, need God's love to help us overcome uh, resistance in whatever forms it shows up for us. Um, okay. Hmm. Yeah, and I guess the other thing I wanted to say here is, is, you know, to just allow ourselves to experience that flow of God's love in our soul. It, whatever, wherever we're at on that journey, to just do our best to experience it. And even if we don't feel like we're experiencing it, to trust that our soul is experiencing it, even if we are not experiencing it at, at any particular moment within our bodies or within our minds, uh, kind of trusting the process, not letting ourselves get hung up on our mental questioning and concerns and distractions. Like, is this working? I don't know if it's working. I'm worried. Well, if it's not working, then why am I doing this? And, you know, um, again, we're in that mode, we're dealing with resistance. And I'm just, part of this is just to encourage people to trust the process, to allow it to happen and to, um, 
just continue in prayer even when it seems absolutely futile to do so. It's a, an opportunity to express our faith and trust in God's ability to deliver whatever our souls truly desire, uh, even if our minds are clueless. Uh, next point I got out of this uh, was sort of making uh, our prayer habits are frequent and as fervent as possible. Whatever helps us to do that, I encourage you to, again, experiment, try things out, maybe set up a prayer schedule for yourself, or maybe don't. Whatever kind of speaks to you and fits who you are, again, we're all each unique, unique souls, so it's not going to look the same for everyone. What works for one person it's not going to work for others. I've seen people give very clear and specific directions on how they should pray for love and what schedule they should follow and how many minutes and how many times a day. And, you know, and I just, I can't, I can't do that. <laughs> I mean, you know, if people want a starting place or, or something, I mean, I'll, you know, I can give suggestions, but I would rather just have people take it to God, take it to their souls and, and seek guidance for that um, themselves and just do the best they can and, and continue to refine uh, their practices that way. Another thing that kind of occurred to me as I was thinking about uh, this chapter on prayer for divine love is that really developing habits of prayer, uh, praying whenever we can, as frequently as we can, allowing different uh, things in our lives to be triggers for prayer, uh, that's a real, those are really powerful habits. And, and I consider prayer for divine love, it's like this master habit that sort of it can transform all of our habits in our lives if, if we'll let it, um, because it, it changes our souls, it changes our uh, spirit bodies, it changes our even our material minds, it has effects on our physical bodies as well. So I just want to encourage people to, to engage in this, I'll call it a master habit that has this power to really uh, bring all aspects of our lives into greater harmony with God's love and God's will. Um, and this is making me think of another uh, passage from the Bible from Matthew um, 6, 33. Uh, but seek first his kingdom, what we would call God's divine love, and his righteousness, we could call that divine love too, and all these things will be given to you as well. Um, you know, and, and that was in the context of worrying about things. Uh, and lots of us have habits of worry or anxiety or things along those lines. And uh, prayer for God's love is, is truly a, a habit that will ultimately eradicate and eliminate all of our worries, all those concerns, all of those habits that we have that um, are not of faith and trust in God's uh, unconditional love and, and care for each one of us. Um, another point that I had here was is that uh, our Creator and the angels greatly desire for each of us to seek union with God in divine love because they know how awesome it is. And uh, I just like to encourage uh, those who are here and those who are listening on the recording that you know whenever a soul takes the tiniest steps in that direction of actually making the effort to seek God's love in prayer, I mean God and the angels meet that soul more than halfway. Uh, God's desire for union with us is greater than we can possibly imagine. And so, uh, you know, like I say at the end of the, the chapter, pray, trust, 
receive and, and enjoy. Um, and I'm not saying that that's all going to happen immediately for everyone. Everyone's soul and circumstances are unique and different, but um, I'm asking people to, to trust the process uh, because it does, it works. <laughs> um, if, if we stick with it, if, if we keep, if we keep going, uh, even when it's tough and challenging to do so. Um, so I, I came across a few other uh, scriptures that kind of relate to me the importance of prayer uh, as it's uh, as it's expressed in the New Testament and so I'll just go through a few of these before moving into the uh, expiation uh, chapter here so mark one um, thirty five very early in the morning while it was still dark Jesus got up left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Um, in Luke 11, 9 through 10, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Amen. And uh, Matthew 6, 6, this is one of my favorite uh, prayer verses, hence why I saved it for the last one before we go into expiation. Again, Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will, be, will reward you. Um, you know, so when I think of that, I think about you know, this, this very private and personal prayer practice that we engage in, it, it is just between our souls and God. It doesn't mean that there isn't power in praying together, but when it comes to the inflowing of God's divine love, that is, that is a function of the relationship of the creator and the individually created soul longing for the inflowing of that essence or substance into their soul. And so, uh, you know, you can even think of your room as your soul and, closing the doors, just like I'm in my soul, and uh, and then praying in secret, meaning praying within my soul to God, which doesn't need to have any outward expressions that would even let people know that I'm praying, because prayer does not depend on words or anything like that. Prayer is, is a pure function of the soul uh, reaching out uh, to the creator, and then the reward uh, that he speaks of, I clearly interpret to be divine love. Um, you know, that that is, that is the treasure that uh, we seek, that we receive when we come to God uh, in prayer through our souls. All right, so uh, next, before I'm going to save all the questions at the end, because most of your wonderful questions that you sent in, thank you so very much, uh, had to do with both the relationship between prayer for divine love and soul encrustations and expiation, which makes perfect sense. So, we're going to move on to soul encrustations and expiation. So the main points here uh, that I have, each and every soul upon the earth has been affected by the disharmonious conditions of darkness that prevail upon the earth at this time. Uh, from the moment of our incarnation until this very moment now, uh, each of our souls has generated responses to these conditions. And many of those responses, not necessarily all of them, but many of them have been uh, in their own way of uh, nature or error uh, that is not entirely in harmony with God's will and love and laws. So that's, that's the power of God's love coming into the soul is that it has the ability to 
to heal those circumstances, to remove them, to dissolve them, whatever metaphor makes sense. Um, that's, that's what God's love uh, does. It does that while it's engaging in this process of actually transforming the soul, which we'll get into with some of your excellent questions in a little bit here. So uh, soul incrustations are these stuck patterns of energy uh, that need to be healed, released, dissolved in order for the soul to fully express its true being, uh, whether that's in natural perfection, which we had talked about last week, or in divine transformation. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's a process of renunciation on the natural love path to remove these erroneous uh, energies, these, these aspects uh, that are connected to the soul that are not in harmony and not completely in harmony with love and truth and light and everything. And then there's the divine love path where we are allowing the power of divine love to not only cleanse and heal our soul, but to, to allow these encrustations to be released uh, for the soul's purification and then ultimately for its transformation from a natural entity into a divine entity. Um, so those who take the divine love path are engaging in uh, what I might call an accelerated or intensified process of removing soul encrustations. And, and it's this process that creates these very unique and powerful experiences that are uh, really unfamiliar to the mind. Um, when I first started off on the path, like I knew I didn't know much, if anything at all, about soul encrustations and the process of them being released and how that manifests itself. And at the time I called it this emotional roller coaster because I'm like, Oh, I'm on this high because I'm experiencing God's love. And then, you know, within hours or days, like I'm in the depths of despair, like, you know, thinking that my life has no purpose and meaning and, and it's like, what's going on. And I was blessed to have a, a mentor, um, from very early on in my journey who was able to explain to me that that's a normal part of the process, these emotional ups and downs, these mood swings, these, these, you know, wonderful lofty experiences of love. And then, you know, these, these kind of dark depths as the soul is releasing these conditions that are not in harmony with the love that has just been received. And so, um, souls on the natural love path can go through expiation. They do go through expiation because they have to release all those things that are out of harmony. It's just that the power of God's love is so, um, what's the word I want to use? It's so, it's so different uh, from these conditions. It is, it is of such a nature and power that they, they can't forever be in proximity to each other, that the, the love is going to ultimately, uh, one way or another, over time, as more love is received, as, as the condition within the soul changes, these things are going to have to be released. And many times we release things from our souls without even having awareness of it. I'm guessing that I've probably, you know, through prayer for God's love, what has been released from my soul, I'm probably not aware of 90% of what's left, and I'm probably aware of 10% or less of, of what has actually left uh, my soul with those expiation experiences. Most of the expiation I've experienced has been mild to a pleasant surprise that something that used to bother me doesn't bother me anymore. It's like, oh, that went, and I assume it had something to do with prayer for God's love because I didn't do anything to consciously, you know, receive healing or, or anything for that particular issue. Uh, and some, 
sometimes I didn't even know it was an issue. Uh, and then it's just gone. It's like, oh, that's really interesting. Um, okay, let's see. Yeah, so basically the, the chapter on soul encrustations and expiation is really to provide um, readers and participants uh, and listeners with a mental framework uh, to help us to continue our efforts in prayer for divine love despite these kinds of developments, despite, um, you know, feelings of anger or frustration or negativity or resistance in whatever forms they manifest themselves, that we're not to see these things as signs of regression or that uh, signs that our prayers aren't effective and working. Um, I would argue, based on my own experiences, that no, actually experiencing those things indicates that you're on track, that, that those are things that are kind of crying out to be healed, to be released from the soul, and they're in a way kind of being brought to the surface, whereas they might have been playing more um, just underneath our awareness in a lot of circumstances. So it's, this chapter is basically just to encourage people to keep going uh, even when it gets rough. Uh, I encourage people to pray through uh, those more intense expiation type experiences instead of buying into the stories that our minds like to make up. You know, the mind loves to project outside of itself and to blame other people or to blame circumstances or even to blame ourselves that we're this terrible person and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, why didn't you, you know, why are you doing this stupid thing and all of that? That's not, um, <laughs> it's not productive. I mean, it'll give you an insight into your forms of resistance, but, um, you know, it, it's because it, we do have the potential in these expiation processes to either not fully let things go or to even cause uh, certain conditions you know, of a slightly different nature to attach to our soul as encrustment. So it's just, I'm just encouraging everybody to do your best when stuff wants to go, to let it go, to do your best not to fight it, to just let it leave and trust that you will survive without it. But that's part of the challenge is that these encrustations were developed in an effort to um, help us to survive uh, in a really dark world. And, uh, and that can be really challenging to let those things go and to trust that, that we can trust God, that we can trust God's love and the guidance and, and all of the blessings that come with it instead of our uh, pre-programmed mental responses or emotional programs that we use to try to, to get along in the world, to protect ourselves, to stay safe, those kinds of things. All right, and again, uh, God and, and the angels of divine love are eager to support each, each of our souls on our own unique journeys. And they're especially um, compassionate and, and caring in terms of helping us through those rough, those rough patches that will come up um, as we go through more intense phases of expiation. You can expect that if you're praying with great fervency and frequency, and uh, with sufficient duration over any period of time, there's going to be stuff that's going to leave your soul. And at some times, uh, there are going to be times you're going to know it, and it will not necessarily be pleasant. Um, but again, those times are pretty short-lived uh, compared to what's on the other side in terms of the feelings of lightness and freedom and, and joy that come out on the other side of expiations as we're allowing these things to leave our souls. All right, so I am now going to move into the questions. Um, 
All right, so here's uh, the first one. Is the prayer is prayer for divine love what begins the process of expiation? So I touched on this a little bit. Expiation can happen um, on either path. Uh, it can happen on the natural love path or the divine love path. I've actually experienced it associated with uh, practices and things on both uh, that I would associate with both paths, both my prayers for divine love leading to fairly powerful expiations and, and even some natural love methods uh, that I've engaged in over the course of my journey that, that helped me to release some things as well. Um, in those cases, I tend to think that I was guided to those things, that they would help with my process. And so I'm not saying divine love wasn't involved in them, but, uh, but the practices themselves were not that, but probably having a, a practice in divine love certainly didn't hurt. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's just that the divine love path will tend to accelerate this expiation process, cause things to leave the soul uh, more quickly than might be uh, typical on the natural love path, uh, because, again, we're dealing with a super powerful energy in God's divine love, something that is, it is, we call it divine love because it is divine. It belongs to the very essence and substance and nature of the creator, and uh and that love is going to have powerful effects on the soul uh, to the extent that we receive it. That is basically unavoidable um, for those who, who go on that path. But the exciting thing is, is that uh, we get to release things uh, typically on the, on the divine love path much more quickly uh, than might be typical on the natural love path. And plus we're experiencing the transformation of our soul in a progressive manner, which is pretty, pretty exciting too. So. All right, uh, the second question, is at one minute with God uh, when our souls are expiated or cleaned? So, so the, the cleaning of the soul, in the natural love path, expiation leads to the purified soul. Um, it leads to a, a soul that is as pure as it was just before the moment of its incarnation. The at one minute with God is really it's that function of the divine love coming into the soul. And so our souls progressively over time, as we receive more and more drops or inflowings of divine love, our souls become more and more at one with the creator in that process. And so um, full at one minute with, with God happens when the last part uh, of our created nature in our souls is displaced, replaced, or uh, another way to put it is supplanted by the divine essence. At that moment, we move from being, uh, you know, a soul that's a mixture of natural energies and divine energies into a soul that is completely divine in its nature. So that is when sort of full at one minute happens. And then the beauty of the divine love path is, is that that's not the end, that the soul then with that changed nature has uh, before it, the opportunity for unending progress and development and growth in divine love for all of eternity. All right, the next question, does the expiation process of soul and crustaceans uh, depend on the prayer factors of fervency, frequency, and duration? And so I guess my answer to that is it's, it's indirectly related to those things in that the expiation process really is a function of um, of the reception of divine love into the soul. So 
how that happens will depend. Like there are some souls that their pathway is to receive divine love in very gentle and small amounts over time. I would anticipate that those souls might not have as intense of expiation experiences as a soul like myself who, you know, I go through periods where I have extremely intense um, prayers for divine love. And then oftentimes, you know, following that uh, fairly intense expiation experiences of, of release of those conditions that are, that are out of harmony with the powerful inflowing of God's love that I've experienced. So they're, they're related. Uh, each soul's experience is going to be different, but I would anticipate that the more frequently you pray, the more with the more intensity or fervency that you do and, and the longer that your prayer prayers are, if they are in that kind of fervent state, um, the, the more expiation you can uh, kind of expect to experience, uh, I would say, generally speaking. Um, and these things are also going to fluctuate over time on, on a soul's journey. Uh, there's going to be times where this stuff is happening pretty rapidly and fairly intensely and other times where it's much more gradual and you don't even really notice that anything is happening consciously through your mind. So all of those things are, are possible uh, on the journey that way. All right, so another question that I have here, page 19, paragraph six, once divine love enters the soul, it cannot be diminished or displaced. Is this like eternal security, which Baptists believe a one-time thing? And so I didn't even know what this was. Um, so I, I looked it up, um, eternal security. Uh, so this is just from Google. Eternal security, also known as once saved, always saved, is the belief that from the moment anyone becomes a Christian, they will be saved from hell and will not lose salvation. So um, once divine love is received in the soul, it can only increase and it can never decrease. The soul that's received divine love, uh, it actually can have quite unpleasant experiences both in this life and in the spirit realms because um, there are lots of souls in this world and even in the realms of spirit and the in the lower realms which we'll get to i think in, in the next lesson um where i call it a smidgen of divine love souls that at some moment in their life their souls cried out to god god responded and said okay here's the blessing of my love your soul has asked and therefore it has received and they don't really do anything with it. It kind of sits there in their soul and it's it's almost like um, this, it's almost like a positive irritant in the soul where like the soul may have a sense that something's off, things could be better, but I don't know, you know, because their mind is in ascendancy over their soul. So, uh, but I mean, souls that receive a little bit, what I'd call a smidgen of fine love, I mean, they can be quite miserable because that love is only going to have the effect of you know, however much is in the soul, uh, which in those situations, typically, if the soul is not engaged in a, in a regular um, conscious practice of seeking divine love, um, whether it understands what those words mean, that's irrelevant, but it, that, that the soul is engaging in this practice um, in its own way. If it's not doing that, the soul is not going to have any knowledge that it's saved in any way. The ultimate fate of, of souls with that smidgen of divine love, um, that's, I would consider that to be unknown. I guess the way that I think about it is that it's like, 
it's in the soul and it's not going to leave. It cannot be removed or displaced in any way. And so again, I see it as this positive irritant or another image I had was of the pea under the mattresses and the princess, you know, the princess and the pea story. Like, like the, that the soul is going to be restless. It's going to be like, gosh, I know that there's something off here. I need to do something. Even as it goes maybe on a, on the path of natural purification, because it, it doesn't choose the divine path in the spirit realms, um, that there's always going to be this little nagging something that's like, gosh, there's something more. And I'm, I feel like I'm on the edge of it, but I don't know what it is. So I guess my, the way I'd summarize that is, is I think every soul that receives a smidgen of divine love will ultimately experience the transformation of the soul in divine love, although that's not guaranteed because free will is always a possibility. Uh, it's, it's a great power that, that we have a wonderful gift where the soul could persistently refuse to seek God's love. But my sense is, is that the power of that love once implanted in the soul is probably going to lead that, that soul ultimately, although it could be a long and winding pathway um, with lots of challenges, lots of dilemmas, lots of darkness, and uh, all kinds of unpleasant experiences that ultimately over the course of eternity, that soul most likely will, will become transformed because not to do so would be more unpleasant than you know, even living in the natural love spheres, which we haven't even talked about yet, but, but living at the height of perfection in the spirit world and and having this little nagging sense within themselves, like there's something I'm missing. There's something I, <laughs> I don't quite have. So hopefully that gives you a sense of it. But um, it is interesting that, you know, there are some faith traditions that have that, that idea. Um, but yeah, in terms of the definition I read, um, now, a soul can exist in great darkness again in this world and in the next, even by having a smidgen of divine love, it will not prevent that. Um, and ultimately, whether it loses salvation um, in terms of complete unity with God, that's uh, that's unknown. But again, I think the power of that love is so great that it's it's going to lead that soul there, even probably even if it's not intent on going there, because again, the soul expressed a desire at some point saying, I want this love, even if they kind of go back on it, um, that's going to be really hard for that soul to do over the course of millennia. All right, so uh, another excellent question. How do you fervently pray from an undeveloped soul that is hidden and burdened by soul encrustations? Uh, I'm guessing it's part fake it till you make it and just persist. Um, so I, you know, I really love uh, this, this question, and the scripture that it makes me think of in this case is Matthew 5, um, verses, uh, I guess it's, is it just 3? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's just 5-3. So Matthew 5-3, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, you know, and um, I came to this path because I, I was blessed with... Um, suffering that caused me to realize that I needed help and I couldn't figure it out on my own and that my mind did not have the answers for uh, the challenges that I was facing. So that scripture rings true for me because I realized I had a poverty um, in my spirit or my soul. I was poor in spirit, meaning that I knew I was. And, uh, and, you know, in this, it says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And that says to me, because the kingdom of heaven is a metaphor for our participation in God's divine love uh, in this world and, and in the life to come. And so um, that, that awareness, that soul awareness of our poverty of spirit 
for me is that is the key to creating the opening for the rectification of our awareness of that spiritual poverty. Um, and in that, we then seek the wealth of God's love and our soul, uh, in that case, if we persist in that practice, it will grow in those riches and that power and that strength um, and experience ever greater blessings from the inflowing of that love. So, uh, and, and, and so I, I don't know, I, I hope that that's uh, helpful to folks, but I think, I mean, the, the awareness of one's soul incrustations, of the burdens, of even some souls experiencing a, a deep sense of emptiness, uh, like what you might call a God-shaped hole in their heart or in their soul, um, that they know that there's something missing, that they want or need something more. That, that awareness is very powerful if, if people will allow their souls to go there and then to keep going there. Um, because, again, there are so many souls that are not really aware that they have incrustations. They're not aware that they're missing something. Um, at a conscious level. And so that's, that's part of their challenge is to, to come to that place of awareness and, and recognition that, that there is something uh, that they can allow to come into themselves and, and to be transformed by it. Um, yeah, this, this question also made me think of another scripture, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. I think I already mentioned that one, but you know, it's, it's, um, by seeking divine love, um, it's going to take care of those other things that are so challenging for us. And, you know, and, and I, I think I've said it before, I'm grateful for the challenges that I've had earlier on um, in my journey, because without them, I don't know if I would have discovered the path of divine love, because I don't know if I would have been desperate enough to do so. Uh, that desperation, that, that true deep sense of need uh, within my being was critical for my own uh, journey. All right. Uh, so hopefully that that's uh, helpful. Okay. Oh, I have another, another question here. If you pray the same prayer all the time, uh, like verbatim, does it lose meaning? Does it become robotic? Um, and, and this person, you know, said that they, they want to honor God, you know, in their prayers, uh, in the best form possible. And so, you know, when I think about that question, again, it goes back to what I said earlier, that, that each soul needs to experiment with those ways and means of prayer, the circumstances, the environments, the, you know, the body positions, the whatever, you know, the, the thoughts, the images, the music, um, the other people one prays with, whatever those things are. And, and this also relates to words or not words or, some mixture thereof um, that, you know, basically what I would say is that our souls, uh, it would be best for them to engage in those prayer practices that help our souls to best express their unique soul longings to God. So if words help, use them. If they don't, don't. If using the same prayer script over and over again helps your soul to express its longings to God for divine love, I say keep using it. If that doesn't help, uh, then I would encourage you to stop using it and to do something else. 
again, the only way to really know uh, what, what helps our souls to express the, the deep, true longing for, for oneness with God is, is to experiment, to allow our souls to, to hone in on those practices uh, that are going to best help to express those deep longings and then to receive uh, those great blessings that God wants to uh, bless our souls with. So thank you all uh, who submitted questions. I really appreciate those. For me, that's I just that's my favorite part is, is people asking questions and, and, and being able to hopefully share a response that, that might be uh, helpful to, to folks who are on their journey. So thank you for that and for this opportunity. Uh, would you please join me in prayer, please? <clears throat> Heavenly Parent, we thank you for this wonderful gift of your love, for, for these opportunities to be set free from everything that we have allowed to cling to ourselves that is out of harmony with our true nature, our true identity as your precious and beloved children. Help us to continue to grow uh, in, our, in our prayer practices, in those opportunities to receive your love. May we continue to listen to our souls and to seek your guidance and your love and to release all of those things that do not truly belong to us and to trust you in that process that you will take great and tender care of us even as we're going through any kind of intensity with regard to the expiation process, that process of rele releasing uh, those things that have become attached to our souls that are not truly ours. So we thank you for your great love uh, for our lives and for the opportunity to grow ever closer to you in love. Amen. Right, so I'd like to say um, it's been a pleasure being with you and just remember that the one who made you accepts you absolutely and loves you unconditionally. And so it is, amen.